this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. This week, we want to look at what it means to be truly devoted to spiritual growth. Uh, Tommy, you know, I I ride a bike. You've asked me about that several times, and I I ride about four times a week. I enjoy doing it, but I got to tell you, I remember the first time I climbed back on a bike and rode about half a mile. I got to tell you, I was wiped out, and it took daily consistent riding to be able to develop the muscles I needed to ride longer, to ride faster and farther, and all those good things. And uh, I can also tell you from experience that spiritual growth is not automatic for the believer, and you and I will never be able to grow spiritually from just Sunday mornings. It takes more. It takes daily commitment. So, Pastor Tommy, I'm glad you're here today to help us lay hold of some really important principles that can help us gain spiritual strength. And today we're looking at five ways to be devoted to your spiritual growth. It really comes down to that one word, doesn't it, Pastor Tommy? Devoted. Yeah, so it does. It, it really does come down to that word devoted. And I think what you said, Trey, is just so key. Uh, that spiritual growth doesn't happen automatically. I, I think we think that once we give our lives to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit just takes over and and does everything and grows us. And he does grow us, but we've talked about before how we have to cooperate with that work of the Holy Spirit. And cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit is a lifelong process. And so, no, spiritual growth is not automatic. And it really does come down to that word devoted, because whatever you are devoted to, uh, whatever you're devoted to gets your best you. If you're devoted to your family, it gets your best you, and rightly so. If you're devoted to your job, it gets your best you, and rightly so. And if you're devoted to Jesus, he's going to get your best you as well. And so what I think I've seen over the years is that we have lots of believers who like being a part of the church, like the benefits of being a part of the church, but maybe aren't really devoted to Jesus. And so what does it look like then to be devoted to your spiritual growth? And that's exactly what we're talking about today. And what I've also noticed, and you've probably noticed this as well, Trey, in your years of ministry, maybe you've noticed it more than I have because you've been in ministry a little longer than I have, Uh, over the years, it seems as if people are getting more and more biblically illiterate. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say that uh, they're depending on what they can hear on the radio or podcast or whatever, instead of making it a, a work in the muscle of their brain, you know, trying to put it into themselves. And people just, uh, it amazes me how little they know. Yeah. So Lifeway Research is a big research firm that, that mm-hmm. kind of tracks these things and researches uh, things in the Christian life. And they did a, a research study several years back. And according to what they discovered in their research study, one in five people who attend church on a regular basis never read their Bible. Never. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's a big deal, right? That is a huge deal. And they also found in that research study that only 45% of regular church attenders read their Bible more than once a week. So that means that 55% of people who show up to church every single Sunday do not read their Bible uh, more than once a week. I had a deacon who left his Bible at church because he said that's the only time he read it. So he would literally leave it in his pew. And, uh, well, at least he knew where it was. Exactly. He, he never lost well, he it. He never lost his Bible, so that's not a bad thing, I guess. I mean, <laughs> anyway, but in that same study, okay, they said that one in five church attenders never read their Bible. That study also said that one in five church members, only one in five church members read their Bible every single day. 
So mm. you can understand mm. if that's the case, why we have a church culture that is increasingly biblically illiterate. I teach um, uh, classes at the local Christian university here in town, and uh, one of the classes I teach is New Testament survey. And in those classes, we have uh, students, mostly underclassmen, uh, sometimes 40, 50 students in those classes. And so I was uh, doing a lecture one day on uh, maybe one of the gospels. I forget what I was lecturing on. And, and I was talking about the apostles. And here in a Christian university, you know, I assume that many of those students that come into my class grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking about the apostles, I had a a young lady raise her hand and said, "Uh, Dr. Metter, can you tell me what an apostle is? Oh, my gracious. I thought everybody knew who the apostles were, but she had no idea. She had never heard the word apostle. She didn't even understand the term. She didn't understand the concept of an apostle. And and, and just a reminder to me, even in a Christian university where we have kids coming that that come from a a church background, I mean, just the biblical illiteracy. And so, so, you know, our goal here at Northwood is we want to change that. We want to help people understand the Bible, not only understand the Bible, but grow in the relationship with Jesus as they take the Bible and apply it to their everyday lives. And, so. and that and the everyday life is the issue. I think it's, it is an everyday thing that we have to do. Mm. And we're not talking about that every now and again you're sick and you're not able to and things like that. We're talking about, as a general rule, you are in the Word of God, you know, daily, that's every right. single day. That's right. So that, that's why I think it's so important that we do look at these five ways to be devoted to spiritual growth. Well, and let's I, do it. And I think the first principle is probably the biggest hurdle, in my opinion. You must discipline yourself. You must discipline yourself. And and let's be honest, no one likes discipline because discipline is work, isn't it? It is every single time. Yeah. But what I've discovered over the years, and I'm sure you discovered this over the years as well, is that discipline leads to freedom. Mm-hmm. I agree. The more you discipline yourself in something, the more free you are in that thing you're disciplining yourself in, right? So so my, my oldest son, Luke, he's taking karate right now. It's been a lot of fun to watch him take karate over this past year, and he's already up to an orange belt, so we're really proud of him. But the way they train in the dojo that he goes to is that uh, they learn two moves over the course of five weeks. Mm-hmm. Two moves, that's it. And so, so every time we go to a karate class, he goes twice a week. Uh, during that hour or so lesson, He's working on the same two moves every single lesson we go to. That's it. Two moves. But when he tests at the end of those five weeks, what do you think is the result of him working on only two moves for five weeks? He gets them. He knows it, right? It just becomes a part of who he is. It's natural. And so I can name that move to him during the week. I say, okay, Luke, do this move. And he does it. He does it with perfection because he has trained himself in that move over and over and over again for five weeks. And then over the course of a year, you know, two moves every five weeks, it adds up where he ends up knowing a lot of moves and he can do them well because each new move he learns, he spends five weeks just mastering that one particular move. And so that that move, uh, that, that karate movement, it becomes a natural part of who he is because of the repetition and because of discipline. Trey, you know that I've been playing the piano for mm. most of my life. And, 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 you know, I can remember as a kid and in, in the college, just the constant practice. I cannot tell you how many times I've played my scales. Exactly. Over and over. And, and I still play them. Mm. I still, you know, on a weekly basis, get uh, behind the piano and, and go through my scales because it's just good uh, habit for piano playing. But, but, from years of practice and hours and hours and hours and hours of sitting behind the keyboard of a piano, when I sit down and play, it's it's just a part of who I am now. Mm-hmm. It's very natural. I can sit down. You can put a piece of music in front of my in front of my face, and I can probably get myself through that piece of music because of the discipline over the years of just 
the same thing over and over again. It, it becomes a natural part of who I am. And the same thing in our spiritual growth, right? That the more we discipline ourselves to get into the scripture and to pray, it, it's difficult. It's a challenge. And like you said earlier, if you stray away from it, it can be a challenge to get back into it. But the more you do it, the more it just becomes a part of who you are. And what it has done in my life, just and you can attest to this as well, Trey, what it has done in my life, the daily discipline of reading scripture and praying and being around believers, those basic disciplines, they have created in my life freedom in my relationship with God. Exactly. And, you know, what you're talking about with the playing the piano, you develop muscle memory. That's right. Uh, that's what, and I'm sure that's what Luke's doing in karate as well. And so what we want to do is when you do it every day, it begins to develop spiritual memory in that's you, if exactly you will. That's exactly right. And so right. that, uh, you know, you don't feel comfortable when yeah. you haven't read the word of God or had prayer with prayer with God. You might skip that day, but boy, you feel uncomfortable right, all day right, long. Right. Something is wrong that day, right. and so you want to come back to it. You know, and uh, I think I heard Rick Warren once say it takes ninety days to develop a habit, mm. and so you know you want it to become a habit of yeah. your life, and that takes that discipline every day. Yeah. So those people that we know who are godly people who are mature in the faith, uh, you could sit down and talk with them, and they would tell you that they would not know what it looks like in their lives to not have that time with the Lord, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I those who are completely. walking with the Lord faithfully, they know the value of those daily disciplines. And you're just not, I mean, you're just not going to grow in Jesus if you're not disciplining yourself for that growth. Discipline is not a bad word. Mm -hmm. Discipline creates freedom, freedom in our relationship with Jesus, freedom, really any discipline that you develop, it creates freedom in doing that thing that you're training to do. Exactly. But it, I think it's it's more than just a personal on a personal level. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not it's not necessarily good to only have personal mm. uh, time with the Lord. I think you also got to make a commitment. Number and I think the second principle is just as true. You you've got to be around devoted people yeah, as well. Yeah, we got to be around devoted people, right? Because our best spiritual growth happens in community. That that certainly when I open my Bible on a daily basis and I commune with God, God is growing me. But there's an added dimension to my spiritual growth when I'm with us a group of believers and I am letting them pour into me and I'm pouring into them. Uh, that just really multiplies in my life, the, the, the growth and magnifies it mm. when I'm growing in relationship with other believers. And so when I was in college, I mean, I saw this play out, right? Uh, just being around devoted people. Uh, you, you've heard me tell my story before, Trey. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity for six months. Uh, that's another story for another day, but it was not the best place for me to be. And so at the same time I was in that fraternity for six months, I was also attending our Baptist Student Union on campus. It's called something different now. I think it's called Baptist Collegiate Ministry, but it was the on-campus ministry. And the difference between the fraternity and the Baptist Student Union was night and day. Uh, the fraternity was life-taking. It drained me emotionally and spiritually because of all the drama that went on and being a part of a fraternity and the different things. The uh, Baptist Student Union, on the other hand, it was life-giving because it, I was around on Thursday nights during our Baptist Student Union time. I was around believers who really did want to grow. And, and, and their passion for Jesus became contagious. And eventually what would happen for me, you know, I got out of the fraternity, I got very involved in the Baptist Student Union, and that became just a significant time of spiritual growth in my life because I was around people who were passionate and hungry for Jesus, and that made me hungry for Jesus as well mm -hmm. when I was around those people who wanted the same thing. You know, I, I, I once heard the illustration of a cup, and we've got to be around people that fill our cup, not that drill a hole in our cup. And uh, if we're going to drill that hole, yeah, we might be able to keep the cup filled, but it is going to take everything in us yeah. Yeah. to keep that yeah. cup filled. Yeah. 
Whereas if we get people that are filling our cup, it's much easier to develop those spiritual disciplines in our life and live for Christ. Yeah. So here at our church, Trey, you are our connections pastor. And so one of your uh, major responsibilities is getting people connected in the small groups. Mm-hmm. Why do you think small groups are so important as a connections pastor? Well, it does exactly what we're talking about here. It, we're trying to get people around devoted people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to get people around people that will challenge them, especially their Life Connection Group leader, mm-hmm. hopefully challenging them to read the Word of God, challenging them to to get involved in the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and of course, what we do is built around the Word of God, everything mm-hmm. we do in Life Connection Group. So just that alone, we're taking them out of just hearing on Sunday morning and trying to get them to understand how it develops into their lives mm-hmm. on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. So uh, you put all those things together as they live together, as they as they ha- even have fun together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we do is we're bringing people together under under the guise of Bible study and Christian fellowship that's going to impact them yeah. as they and live. And here's what I've learned in my years of ministry as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people who've gotten involved in a small group, who've put themselves around devoted people, who study the Word, yeah. pray together, uh, fellowship together, all those things. I have never had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, the worst thing I do in my life was get into a small group. I would agree with that. Yeah. I've never heard that. In fact, I've heard quite the opposite. The best thing I could have done for my spiritual growth was to get around people who love me, encourage me, and say the word with me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's what it takes. And so it's, it's disciplining yourself and the daily devotions, but it's also devoting yourself to devoted people, putting yourself in a place where you're around people who are contagious with the love of Jesus. That's exactly right. And, and But, you know, we talk about the small group, but I don't want to underestimate the power of worship. Right. Because there is something about worshiping together as well, and I think that's what leads us to this third principle, that you must make the most of corporate worship. Yeah, corporate worship is so significant in the life of the believer, because when you and I are in a corporate worship setting, we are with the entire body of Christ in that local gathering, whether it's a, a church of 75 or a church of six or 700, like, like our church, there's something significant about being around yes. the larger body of Christ and being under together, uh, the, the word of God. When we gather on Sunday mornings at, at our church, we're saying that we're placing ourselves as an entire body of believers under the authority of the word of God. And so for me, I just have the conviction that what's taking place in our culture is we are treating corporate worship far too casually. Mm. And when I say casual, I don't mean like casual dress. That's neither here nor there. I'm saying a heart attitude, a casual heart attitude, right? Uh, Where we just don't take it serious enough that we are actually coming into the presence of Almighty God. And so what we do is we we see corporate worship much like we see uh, a baseball game or any other event we attend. We see it as an event to attend, rather than a place that we go to be equipped for the work of the Sovereign King. And and I think we can also participate in worship. I think we think it's somehow we've gotten to this idea that, I'll take the blame for it as a pastor, that uh, you'll watch what we're doing up here, and y'all all watch it. Right, but it's not about that. I mean, it's participating, being involved in the worship, being involved in the right. sermon, being involved in the invitation, and all the things that take place that begin to change our lives. Right, we're coming together to honor God together uh, through prayer, through uh, singing, and those kinds of things. And we're coming together to together place. I mean, it's when you are listening to a sermon, you might not be the one preaching that sermon. You might not get to stop uh, the preacher in the middle of the sermon and say, "Hey, can I add something or can I ask a question?" But in the process of that preacher preaching a message you are participating by actively engaging the Word of God and what that pastor is saying at that time. So you are even participating in that, right? It's not 
like you said, it's not just watching the people on stage. You are participating in every aspect of the service when you come on Sunday morning. You know, uh, the first command, that's not really the right word, but the first thing you ever said applicationally outside of, you know, what the Word of God said, you said, this is what you need to do. I don't know if you remember this. Mm. This was when you first got here, uh, you said, and some of you need to move up. You know, you need to come up to, you know, get in the first few rows and really get involved. And so the next week, guess what I did? Mm. I, in participation, because I wanted to be a part of what was going on, I moved from basically the back of the center row all the way to fifth or sixth row, and we've never changed. Yeah, and the reason why I said those things uh, a couple years ago, and I reiterated some of those things, a couple of Sundays ago, is that that we are a people who are so easily distracted, mm-hmm. and and even in corporate worship, we're so easily distracted. So doing everything we can, if we believe that on Sunday mornings God is speaking to us, and we believe that as a faith family, we are putting ourselves under the authority of God's word. Man, I don't want to be distracted. Mm-hmm. I want to do everything I can to to lean in and to hear the voice of God and to allow it to change my life. And so for me personally, I want to do everything I can to limit distractions, whether that's sitting somewhere different in the congregation, whether that is, is, you know, turning my phone off or whatever the case may be. I want to limit every distraction because what I've found about distractions, Trey, and you've probably found this true as well. When I find myself distracted, whether it's in a worship service, whether it's in a class I'm taking, whether it's in a conference I'm attending, when I find myself distracted, it is very difficult to re-engage and to refocus. Oh, I would agree. You know, one thing that those that have never heard you preach or been at the church, one of the, one of your lines is, is uh, uh, leaning real close here. Right. And so what you're doing is saying, okay, this is important. This is where you need, you know, if you need to re-engage, this is the point to Mm re-engage. And I think, uh, you know, uh, there's been some lighthearted things said about that. But that's an important thing because you're telling people, hey, listen, get engaged right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, it really is. We talked about this a couple of Sundays ago, and I don't want to harp on it too much. But uh, I really think personally, and this is personal opinion, and we'll see. I think in in years ahead, we're going to look back and we're going to regret how much we let technology distract us. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. Now, when I say that, Trey, I think technology is a great thing. I love technology. I love social media. I think those things are very helpful and beneficial. But man, and those and, and, and technology isn't sinful, but we have a tendency to abuse good things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, I, I just think we're going to look back and regret a lot of the ways that we've used things like technology, a very good tool that we've allowed to distract us something fierce. And I, I think uh, one of the things that you said about using your phone in church, you know, t- I took to heart and we had a conversation about it. I said, you know, I, I take notes on my iPad, but I want to make sure I'm not distracting people around me. It's right. not just my distractions. If somebody's there to hear the gospel and somehow I'm distracting yeah, them, you don't want we've them got to also yeah. be careful. You don't want them to side. think you're playing Angry Birds instead of, right? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to go there. But no, I don't check. You know, I'm there for, and one of the things you said that I never thought of, put it on airplane. Yeah. And then you're not going to be checking Facebook and seeing what the scores yeah, are. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So that can help if yeah. you do use your phone. So when you come to worship, be devoted to your spiritual growth. When you come to worship, worship. Engage. Exactly. Yeah. And when you do that, I think you have to have a, I've always said a, a, a master type mentality where you have somebody that is a mentor in your life mm, that you're mm, that is able to pour mm, their life mm. into you and that leads us to the fourth principle is you need good mentors yeah yeah so we're going to grow to be devoted uh, to the lord you know displaying ourselves being around devoted people 
making the most of corporate worship, but having good mentors. Mm -hmm. It is so important to have people in your life who are a little further ahead in the journey, who you can confide in and and trust and who can pour into you. Uh, We, we, uh, we know the scripture, right? Second Timothy two, two, uh, where Paul says to Timothy, you know, entrust uh, the things I've taught you into faithful men. Paul had entrusted his life into Timothy. Timothy was a, a young minister and, and, and Paul devoted so much time and, and effort into Timothy's life. And he said to Timothy, you do, you turn around and do the same in the life of someone else. And that's just so valuable. And Trey, you've heard me tell this story a million times because you are in every one of our connected uh, Northwood classes here at Northwood. And every time we have a connect to Northwood class, I talk about uh, Bob. I talk about Bob, who was, was my mentor in college. And he was at that time, a young man, 28, 29 years old. Uh, I was on his staff as a part-time worship leader. And he just took time. He mm. took, I didn't know at the time he was mentoring me, but he took time every single week to sit with me, talk theology, uh, to pray, to ask me about my spiritual growth. He allowed me into his home, uh, was in his home just about every week with him and his wife. They, they fed me, they, they cared for me. And just over the course of a couple of years, he discipled me, he mentored me. And for me, I, and you've heard me say this a million times, I am where I am at in ministry today because of the influence of a godly man who took the time to invest into my life. It was that, invaluable. It that, changed me. That is the impact of mentors. Yeah. I mean, that is the impact. And and we can't underestimate the power that that has in, in, in every one of our lives and pouring our lives into other people as that's well. That's right. That's right. And uh, I chose a long time ago because nobody mentored me. Mm, no, I was mm, kind of the opposite of you. Mm. I struggled for a long time trying to find somebody that would help yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was just it was it, it was an interesting part of yeah. my life. To yeah. do that. Well, what we know is it's scriptural, right? We yeah. see the example with Paul and Timothy. Mm-hmm. And for those of us like me who have had that opportunity to actually be mentored, I mean, it's just uh, done in, in, in an invaluable work in my life. For, for people like you who have not had that experience, I mean, it's just more of a struggle to kind of figure it out by yourself, isn't it? it oh, big time, yes. And, you know, D groups have been good for me because right. I've been able to. Uh, put myself under someone as well. Right, Not right. just, I do a D group right. for people, but I yeah. also have been able to put myself under someone. Yeah. So if you're listening and you don't know what a D group is at Northwood, a D group is a discipleship group. It's our way of creating a culture of mentors, right? That in that D group, it's a group of three or four or five guys or lady. There's they're gender specific. And in that group, you have a leader who is weekly daily investing in the lives of that group. It's a mentor to those three or four guys, right? And so that's been our way of trying to replicate uh, what was done in my life and the life of so many others uh, to create some mentors in our church. And so if you're a part of the Northwood family, you need that. You need to be in a discipleship group because you need a mentor and you need to learn how to eventually be a mentor to somebody else. If you're not a part of the Northwood family, if you're listening to this from somewhere else, I would encourage you to, you know, go to your pastor and say, hey, I need a mentor. Can If you don't have the time to mentor me, I understand that, but can you help me find a mentor? Because it is just so invaluable in your spiritual growth to have someone who can invest in you. Yeah, and, you know, what I did, though, which is interesting, is I had a mentor, but the mentors came from books. Yeah, yeah, So sure. uh, I think, you know, there is—I think there's value. It's not the best way, yeah. but it's certainly in my life it was, it was valuable for me to be able to— read books. And that's actually principle number five, that you need to read good books. Yeah. And I know when we say that, some of you are already saying, oh no, I don't even <laughs> like to read. And, and I get that. I mean, there are some of us who are, who are naturally uh, readers. We just enjoy reading. And there's some of us, we can't remember the last time we actually read a book, but I'm just telling you, man, there, there's, 
nothing like reading a good Christian book from an author who is pointing you to Jesus and helping you to understand Scripture. And and what I've found over the years, just like you have, Trey, is that that those authors have become great mentors. I've never met them. Some of them are dead, uh, you know, from the past, but they have just become great mentors to me. And and I'll tell you what happened in my life. You know, I talked about being in the Baptist Student Union when I was in college, and I also talked about my relationship with Bob when I was in college and and his influence on me and how he mentored me. But there was a, someone in college, a friend of mine in college, that for my birthday or some some event gave me a book, a book I'd never read. And at that point, I had not read any Christian books. I'd just read the Bible, uh, and I was just beginning to understand the Bible. And it's important to read the Bible, obviously. But I had not had that outside mentor to help me to understand Scripture like an author, right? And so this, this friend of mine gave me a book, gave me a book called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. I devoured that, man. I began to read it, and it just opened my eyes to the greatness of God like nothing else had. And all R.C. Sproul did in that book, he he didn't, you know, teach anything new. He just helped me to understand Scripture, and that's what good Christian authors Mm -hmm. do. They help you to understand Scripture. There's you can go to the uh, Christian bookstore and find lots of bad Christian books. I agree with that. But there are good Christian books, and a good Christian book is going to help you to understand Scripture and how you should live in light of what Scripture says. And and so for me, you know, reading that book, uh, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul, so many years ago, I cannot tell you how influential that was in that season of my life, and how that again it just spurred me on in my faith to be devoted to Jesus. And so over the years, I've read some good Christian books that have really just help me to understand the greatness of God, help me to understand scripture and help me in my devotion to the Lord. I talked about holiness of God, but other books like knowing God by J.I. Packer is kind of that same thing. Uh, you know, another book that was really helpful for me was, um, uh, how to read the Bible for all it's worth by, uh, Douglas fee or excuse me, Douglas Stewart and Gordon fee. That was really helpful in helping me to understand how scripture works. I mean, so there's books like that that have just been so influential in my life and, 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 and again, those authors have become mentors to me, even though I've never even met them. I, I will say, you, you mentioned the books that are so bad in the Christian bookstores. Basically, there's nothing new under the sun. And if they're trying to bring in some new principle that no one's ever heard before, be very weary of that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, uh, that's why when I read books, it was, it was things like Hudson Taylor's Spiritual mm-hmm. Secret. I read the old classics. Yeah. We didn't have the newer guys when I was a young guy. Watchman Nee, Normal Christian Life, and the, those kind of books. So. Uh, just make sure that what you're reading is impacting yeah, you yeah. in that way. And they are so helpful. And, you know, just, again, I know that for those of you listening, there might be many of you who aren't really readers. And if you're like me, it's hard to find the time. I mean, I've got two small children. By the time, you know, we get home in the evenings and put them down for bed, I'm, I'm wore out. I don't feel like reading a book, right? And so where I used to read, you know, a book a week, and now I've spaced that out to a book every month or two. And so you can... Uh, devote the time to reading, you know, three or four books a year. It's not that hard, right? It's just finding in the margins that 15, 20 minutes of extra time. One of the things I do that's real helpful, Trey, is I have a Kindle, a digital reader uh, that's loaded up with books. And so everywhere I go, I take my Kindle with me. If I have to sit in the car in car line or if I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting, I can pull it out and at least take 10 or 15 minutes to read. You can read three or four good Christian books a year, and you'll be amazed at how that helps you in your walk with Jesus. Well, I think there's also uh, some of those readers that will read to you. That's so, exactly right. You know, Audiobooks are an outstanding tool, aren't they? So that's a great way to do it as well. Um, well, Tommy, what do you want to close up with to kind of give us to where we need to be, give, get us where we need to be 
with being devoted. Yeah, so the whole reason for this conversation is that we are in our church in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it talks about how the disciples were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. Devoted. That word devoted is such a powerful word. Uh, it just simply means that's what they gave their allegiance to. And, and in our church, we've been talking about, you know, how can we be devoted? How can we be devoted uh, to the teaching of Scripture? How can we be devoted in our walk with the Lord? And so we just thought that these were, you know, really five good ways for you to think through uh, in your own devotion to Jesus. So again, uh, just being disciplined, uh, putting yourself around devoted people, making the most of corporate worship, finding good mentors, reading good books. These are all you know, tools that will help you in your devotion to Jesus. And we hope that this will. And what I'm going to do in the show notes, I'm going to list a few of my favorite books. I think they'll be helpful to kind of give you some ideas of some things I've read that have been influential. I'm also going to post the link to the sermon we preached a few weeks ago, How to Be a Healthy Church Member, that we talked about a lot of these things in. Uh, But our hope and prayer that this has been helpful for you. And just as a reminder, if you are in the Charleston area, we would love to see you at Northwood sometime. We are on 2200 uh, Green Ridge Road here in North Charleston, and our services on Sunday morning are at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. We would love to have you, love to get to know you. Also, we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, you can subscribe right now on your podcast uh, provider, and you'll have new content delivered to your device every single week that I'm sure will help you in your spiritual growth. If this is helpful for you, not only subscribe, leave a review, that helps us out. Share this with a friend. If this has been helpful for you, you know, email this to a friend, send the link to them. Uh, we just want to help. Uh, we, we, we want you to help us get the word out about this podcast and how and hopefully how it's going to be benefiting to other people. And we hope, as always, that this podcast today has helped you connect faith to life.